Hello, Sunshines. I'm Keith. I'm Jana. And this is Hello, Hello Sunshine. Sunshine. Hi, Keith. Jana, what's going on today? Well, funny you ask. <laughs> We're going to talk about something I find scary relevant to my life right now, which is we're going to talk about change. Oh, boy. And I hope everyone listening thought of that song in Shrek 2, uh, which is a mixture of David Bowie and somebody else going, ch-ch-ch-changes. So, change. What kind of change are we talking about today? We are talking about life changes in all different ways. With relationships, jobs, moving, haircuts, all kinds of change and how it affects us in our heads, in our hearts. And there's more change even beyond that. I mean, I was reflecting on one or two other points on the drive down here today. Before oh, really? the recording, yeah. What were they? I mean, they weren't too expensive, but let, let's just, you, I'll share them when we actually start the episode, Jenna. Tease. Anyway, <laughs> so when I originally thought of this idea as a topic, I was thinking about primarily like points in my life where a big change happened and how I personally, as a person with mental illness, reacted. Because a lot of the time people with anxiety and depression um, do not like change. We like consistency. Um, there are good changes, obviously, like getting a haircut or, you know, like the change of the seasons. But there's also some negative changes that you have to adjust to and that might take a while and I'm sure anybody listening could commiserate with some of the experiences I've had um, or you have had. Uh, so, but before we get into the specifics of Keith's and I's traumas, <laughs> I thought that it would be a good idea to just reflect on why change is so scary. So I have two articles here. Before we do that... Oh, yeah. We got we got to do our typical uh, disclosure. We want to just, as always, state that, hey, Jenna and I are not mental health professionals. Nope. Take everything we say with a grain of salt. Salt, pepper, little paprika. Salt and pepper. No. S just stop. Stop trying to be cool. Okay. I don't know what the kids are stop into. Stop trying these to be days. corral. You're not corral. Coral is definitely out anyway. But anyway, we're just trying to encourage <laughs> conversation about different aspects of mental health with everyone. Just, you know, making it more accessible. Or, yeah. Understandable. Yes. Relatable. That That's that's it. That's it right there. Ding, ding. But now that that's out of the way, let's finally get into the swing of things. The meat of the episode. The meat and potatoes, which is, I have two articles here that uh, I will be referencing quite a bit uh, as we discuss uh, our topic today. Uh, the first one is, I Fear Change, How to Cope with the Unknown by Morgan Mandriota, which is from a website called Very Well Mind. It was medically reviewed by Rachel Goldman, who has a PhD and FTOS, so we know it's legit. And the second article is Fear of Change, Why Life Adjustments Are Difficult for You, which was written by Dr. Samantha Rodman, which is from Talkspace.com. I will be sure to uh, put all the links to the articles in our social medias uh, in relation to this episode. Anywho, <laughs> change can be a scary thing. Um, 
it can be daunting. Uh, I think the fear of the unknown is the best phrase. We never know what's going to happen when a change happens. We don't know how we're going to feel about it, if it's going to be a good feeling or a bad feeling. And I, I think people with anxiety and depression tend to go uh, the negative direction. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And when I think of change, I, I'm already getting into my like personal stuff. The biggest example that comes to mind is finishing up undergrad. Oh and my God. That was yes. a big change for me. Yes. And a big part of that was, I mean, yeah, you mentioned the unexpected before and all my life before that, I knew what was going to happen next. Right. Just the school system, first, second, third grade, so on, so forth. Then you're in college, a few years of that. So there's like, everything's like sort of kind of in place for you at that point in college. It's just putting in your own work. But for years, I just, all my plans in my head pretty much just stopped at 2018 because that's where... That's when you graduated. That's what I graduated. That's what everything was set to in a way. So at that point, I was just very much, I don't know. I didn't feel stable at the time. Well, did you know that in our, our brains have actually been programmed to fear change since like the dawn of time? No, actually, I mean, I noticed it was mentioned. I didn't fully read the article but that you're about to reference, but, I, <laughs> but I'm saying... <clears throat> But I saw that heading and I'm just like, okay, this is something I want to get more into because that's very interesting how this is sort of how we're programmed. Right. So historically, now this is me directly quoting from the article. It says here, historically, the fear of change is evolutionary and dates back to ancestral times. Our brains are hardwired to prefer routine and consistency. Change often brings a lack of safety. So I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But Overall, when I read that, I just think, well, you know, cavemen, homo sapiens, obviously human beings in the middle of this crazy terrain, like, you know, and, and as they evolve, uh, you know, into the humans that we are now, obviously it's like instinctual. It's in our DNA to not like change to protect ourselves, essentially. I mean, obviously cavemen were in a bit of an extreme time in, in our world's existence and history. Um, but it makes a lot of sense as to why uh, everyone's so apprehensive when it comes to change. And that's just like for a neurotypical person, but like for somebody who's like neurodivergent, someone who already struggles with life in general, uh, with mental health issues. It just adds on to all oh, the pressure you put on yourself. It's adding just, kerosene to the fire. Yeah. Right. It's, oh, for sure. Yeah. It's like a lighter and some hairspray. Like, you know, the fire's going to be big. So the article goes on to say, when life feels predictable, we experience less stress and anxiety because we know what to expect. When life doesn't feel predictable and we are uncertain about what might be around the next corner, we feel stressed and anxious. So when we're in the driver's seat, we feel pretty good. But then when somebody else tries to drive, we don't feel so good. All in all, I believe it's like our brain coded to to protect us from bad things happening. So now that we understand exactly where this fear of change is coming from, now let's talk about the fear itself. We experience change every day and not liking it or being afraid of it is totally normal. But today we're also kind of focusing a little bit on when the fear becomes too much and it starts to interrupt your daily routine. Um, 
what I mean by that is when a change in your life causes an extreme amount of stress or anxiety, you know, that can be really difficult to work through. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like a few examples of change uh, that are also quoted in this article is, you know, dating, Uh, breakups, heartbreak, uh, someone leaving you, you having to leave someone. Something we've discussed Plenty on, in the relationships episode. Exactly. You know, that's a hu- also getting into a relationship is a huge change, especially if someone came from a not so great situation or an abusive situation or if they've never dated before. And it's just it's scary because you just don't know what's going to happen. And you have to be vulnerable in those scenarios. Another example is work. You know, you go to school for four years, you spend $100,000 on a degree, and then what if you get to the end of school and you don't know what the hell to do? You don't know if you want to do that anymore. And I can definitely, I have plenty to say about that one. (laughs) (laughs) And also, you know, your identity as, as you as a person, you know, like do, I remember I went through such a, identity crisis when I graduated high school because I was like, I'm going to be in college. I want to be different. I'm going to be the person that I've always felt inside. And then, you know, to me, that was just like nose piercings, tattoos, and like dying my hair. <laughs> That's that, that was my existential, you know, crisis. Um, the, extent, the extent of it. But, you know, that's also a big thing too, you know, People have all kinds of transitions. Like I imagine people, um, you know, who are trans, like going from identifying one way to another and then having to deal with people's reactions to that and how life is going to, you're going to live life more authentically, but it's It's still a massive change. And I can't speak like on a personal level. I haven't gone through that experience, but just like even reading books and articles on people who are going through those changes. I mean, it's still hard because people see them differently and that right. could still have an impact on their mental health despite them being in the skin that they feel comfortable. It's no, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to talk about, especially as like cisgendered people mm-hmm. who identify with the sex that we were assigned at birth. Um, I've watched many a friends transition, you know, childhood friends that I used to, have playdates with who started out one way and ended up another. And I've had some friends I've, I've been like a front row participant in that change. Um, and I think it takes, uh, a, I think it takes a lot of courage and strength because it's, it's not easy. And, and that's what I really want people to take away from us talking about this is like, it's, it's not easy and like, it's not supposed to be easy. So regardless if you have anxiety or anything, change is hard. And everybody goes through it because life is hard. Life isn't always hard. It may feel like that sometimes, but... Sometimes it, sometimes it's just harder than other times. Right, but something that my therapist, hey Karen, how you doing, always uh, reminds me of when I feel really hopeless about a situation that I can't control, because that's what change can be sometimes. It's like something you can't control. She's like, well, I mean... Last time you have you have a one hundred percent success rate. And whenever she would say that to me, I'd be like, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "Well, you got to the other side because you're still here today. So if you succeeded last time, you'll succeed this time." 
Like you always have a hundred percent chance of succeeding because you did the thing and you made it to the other side and maybe it wasn't pretty, but you made it and that's enough, you know? Yeah. That, that's something that at least in my personal life right now, I feel like that's a mentality that I've gone through for a few different things, like especially considering change and whatnot. So now that we have a better idea of some examples of fears of change and, and where that fear comes from, let's talk about some personal experiences of change that you and I have gone through and how you've reacted and how you've made it to the other side. So you talked about, you mentioned college. Yeah, and I, just I had one of those like quick warps through time in my head just f- trying to figure out like how did I get through change? So college, that was hard because I didn't have a job for the longest time after college. I mean, right. I had work, but not in the field that, fields you that I wanted to be in, which was frustrating. I just worked my butt off all the time, application after application, few interviews, nothing. And sometimes that happens. Like sometimes a job doesn't just mm. fall into your lap and like, that's okay. Now this episode, we're not, it's not necessarily focused on jobs, but this was part of my change. Just trying to figure out my new place in life. Right. And it really got to the point where it's just like, well, hell with it. I really got to figure this out for myself. I'd say everything worked out for me overall, even though I'm not at that point yet. I see myself making progress for the change that I want because I wasn't getting the work I wanted to. I'm just like the hell with it. I'm going to like do my own work off to the side that I'm not going to get paid for. Guess what I started doing? I started podcasting. Hello. Hello. I put out my show, The Dime Store Jukebox. I had a sh- another show out with my friend Christian called No Care Off Air. Then we started this. Uh, yeah, then a few years later, we started this, and all of this experience helps lead me to get an internship podcasting. Yeah. So it's like... And then that and- internship, present Keith, I mean, was able to use that experience to go into another internship yeah. in within the media field past podcasting so i'm it's just the point is i realized that i had to put in the efforts to really figure and weave my own way through it didn't happen overnight it did not happen overnight change does not always happen overnight no but the point i really want to make here is like okay what does this have to do with do with change it's just there are times where you have to put in the work for the right kind of change to happen. During that transitional time, like, did you feel a lot of anxiety about, like, where do I go? What do I do? Of course, yeah. And I mean, like, I'm sure that was a very stressful time for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really didn't know where to go. Like, going, like, getting my resume checked by strangers, getting their input on things, reaching out to people, like... <sighs> I don't know. I just felt very lost and yeah. really didn't know where to reach out to. And I'd try to reach out, but didn't make a lot. Yeah, didn't make a lot of progress. I well, you mentioned that's like the end of college. I didn't have that stress, but the beginning of college was who talk about a a zinger of a change. I growing up. Um, 
because uh, I've been crazy for quite some time now. Uh, <laughs> I hated sleepovers as a kid. I mean, like at first I was like, sleepovers are so fun. And then as I got older and my anxiety got worse, I just hated leaving like the comfort and the confines of my home and my bed. For whatever reason, sleeping somewhere else just caused me an intense amount of anxiety. And that's kind of what was a caveat to why I started going to therapy in the first place, because there was like this event, this like Girl Scout thing night over that I'd done years before, like five years straight before. And all of a sudden this one year, I was like, I can't do it. I can't go. And everyone's like, what do you mean you can't go? Like, you're fine. Everything's fine. Like, we've done this every year. Like, what is the difference? And for whatever reason, I just had this horrible panic about it. And I ended up not going, which turned out to be the best decision, I think, um, because otherwise I would have been miserable the entire time, just trying to, like, keep myself in check. So having that anxiety, I no longer have that anxiety because obviously, uh, you know, I had to go away and leave my home to go to college for the first time. And that was a really difficult transition for me. Um, I'm very close with my parents and I had a lot of close friends that I was leaving behind and I wasn't going too far away, but I was going to be about two hours away. So it wasn't going to be super easy to like go home on the weekends or anything like that. I didn't have a car with me. So this feeling of one being lost, being alone and being kind of trapped, like I was kind of stuck where I was, um, as excited as I was to go to college, I was really scared. And I realized when I got there, I was like, oh my God, like I'm not going to see my boyfriend every day anymore. I'm alone. I have no friends. I am starting over today. And God, did that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I, and I just, I cried for days. It was really hard to get through the day to day. But eventually as time went on, uh, that's the thing about change. Time is your best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, as time went on, I was able to, to get out of that, you know, anxiety. But let me tell you, I was like panicked. I called everyone I could think of. I called grandma. I called mom. I called dad. I called my siblings. I never call my siblings. Um, you know, I was, I was calling friends at home. I was like, are you as upset as I am? And they're like, no, Jan, I'm having the time of the, my life. Stop being a baby. And I'd be like, but I'm in the home. And <laughs> <laughs> be because, you know, think about it. Like, you're going to school with the same kids for like 20 plus years. And now, you know, there's some people who go across the country and the only way they can go home is a plane, like across the world, you know, to other countries to study abroad. Like people do that all the time. Um, but even just being two hours away, an hour away, just not living at the comfort of home and, and being on your own for the first time, that is a huge change. For sure. That I struggled with on top of already having anxiety, which um, just uh, to reiterate, don't be me and don't say, you know what? I don't need therapy anymore. I'm going to college. New year, new me. Don't do that. If you needed it before, you're still going to need it, especially during a crazy time of change, which is why counseling centers at colleges are very important because you, sometimes you just need someone to say, hey, it's okay that you're sad. You're not a baby. You're just alone for the first time. Shit's hard. <laughs> and I was fortunate in my situation. I mean, yeah, I remember watching my parents drive away and I'm thinking, huh, 
So I guess I'm not going back home. I guess this is where I'm situated right now. Yeah, you feel like you're never going to see them again. But at the same, but where I was lucky, my twin brother also happened to be going to the same school. So, and you, so you had a little he piece of like, home with you. He was like way across campus, but still there was that someone. Familiar. Very familiar. In just Your womb mate. My womb mate in close enough proximity to me. Right, so that if you you didn't you knew that if you made no friends, at least you had you know you had him. So yeah, on top of my brother, I mean, not that they ended up being my best friends, but in the same dorm, there just happened to be a couple familiar faces who I knew from my area. I didn't go to school with them. It's just like okay, this is a level of comfort for me. Right, and some people are lucky enough to have that, and then there's people like me who just were like, I'm gonna go to school in another state. And the only kids that like I went to high school with that did happen to go to my college, there were like four of them and they wanted nothing to do with me. So there was no finding comfort in them except one lovely human um, who uh, was a year older than me, who had already been there for a year and was just kind of like I looked up to her. And she made the change a lot easier because I was like, okay, here's this really sweet, kind, nice person who, if I really needed someone, she's there. And I think for anyone who is dealing with change, if you can find like a little crumb of comfort within that change, take it. You know, like, for example, if your parents are going through a divorce or, you know, your life is just being turned up. Somebody dies. That's actually one of the points that I wanted to bring up when I was That's driving a huge here. change. And what came to mind wasn't necessarily a person. I was thinking of my dog yeah. from a couple of years ago. That was our, because that's changed. My dog, Ruby, Ruby Tuesday, she was a constant in my life for growing up 14 years. Yeah, now she's then gone. Then just to lose her suddenly, because we didn't put her down, and she just, like, over the course of a few days just got... Really sick. Yeah, really sick. Like, hard time breathing, and she died in her sleep. Right. And that's... It was very sudden, and it was just a lot of getting used to. Yeah, and I'm sure during that time, you know, you... You clung to your family and you and you clung to the photos and the memories that you had with her. And like that was your comfort through that time. But change, whether it's abrupt or, you know, slowly happening, it, it's sometimes it's it's not good change. Sometimes it sucks, you know, and like death is a finite change that we can't nobody can control. No, I mean, we try to make light of it when we can now because, I mean, we have her ashes in a box in the living room and we're just like, oh, yeah, she uh, she's in the box. She's hanging with us. Right. Just stuff like that. But, I mean, at the same time, it's not the same. Yeah, but, like, but finding that humor, that's, like, the little piece. That's, like, the little crumb that I mentioned. Like, that's something that you can hold on to. And in the last 14 years, Obviously, like she was a great dog. All I've ever heard are wonderful stories about this dog, Ruby. I would have been honored to meet her. Um, I was a jerk the first time I uh, I thought that he <laughs> I thought that Keith still had a dog, and um, Ruby I think had died like maybe a year before, and it was the first time I like went to your house, and I was like, "Don't you have a dog?" And you're like, "She died." <laughs> I felt terrible. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." I uh, you were like, "It's okay, it's okay." 
I was panicked. I talk about talk about a change in 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 mood. Um, you know, that was a, uh, you know, but but you could you you were at a point where you could make light of it to an extent, and you know, it wasn't yeah. like the minute I mentioned it, you like burst into tears. Listen, I have another dog, Maggie. I mean, she's batshit, and I love her, and she's my child. But there are times where I'm still like, oh damn, I miss that dog. I miss- right, because Maggie's different. Yeah. A good different, but different. And sometimes different is good. But That's what change is. It's a rewiring. It's a, a yeah, it's a reprogramming of everything. And as much as it is terrifying, it's also like really wonderful. And I feel really blessed that I finally have met someone who is like, you know, a good person. Um, and, you know, I still have a lot of changing to do as a person, you know, my reprogramming, but I can understand how lots of people would be intimidated by that or scared by that because they're, it's not what they're used to. It's not what you're used to, but, but it's a good change. It's a good change. Change good is for you. Exactly. What vegetables I, like vegetables. Change is growth is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just really wanted to say that. I say that to my students all the time. Like the vegetables. Well, I tell them, you know, um, I teach I teach music lessons and whenever we're doing something that's like monotonous and annoying and repetitive, I go, listen, I know that this isn't the fun part. This is the vegetables. OK, this is the stuff that's not so fun, but it's good for you and it's going to help you. And that's what change can be sometimes like change isn't always like something awful and catastrophic. Sometimes change is like, you know, the universe has brought you this this thing. And. Let's see what happens. And Take it, advantage of the opportunity. While you have it. It might not feel good initially. Right. But. But it might turn into something beautiful. Because you got to go through it in order to grow. The only way around it is through. I just wrote that song. I hope you enjoyed that. But yeah. <laughs> Record labels listening. <laughs> Please hire me. I'm so unemployed. Um. But yeah, like entering a new relationship or sometimes when you go through a breakup, you know, it's that change of like, here's this person that's been a part of my life every day for however long. Now I got to get used to no more good morning texts, no more messaging them, no more this, no more that. But you have to think of it too, like, like the silver lining, even though it's not necessarily a change that you wanted, it's in the long run, in hindsight, it's a good change because if that person like, or you were in a situation that you needed to break things off, that just gives you room and space to grow and to find a better situation um, and not waste your time on that not so great situation. Moving on to careers. Oh boy, this is what I sort of kind of touched upon. Yeah. Would you like to start with this one? Change in career or change like oh actually changing careers oh no I have nothing well, much to say I got well not changing the careers but like change within your career path okay yeah I mean just going within I mean a lot of my experience in college was radio based yeah and I mean I guess the industry itself is changing so I mean a big part of it is just like sometimes you just gotta go with whatever change is happening, whether it's internal or part of my change, I guess in this case for career was just 
trying to go along with the already present change. I'm just like, you know what? As interested as I am in radio, as much as I keep applying to these jobs, and this is where some of my experience is, I should go a more modern route with this. Mm. So I feel like that's where a lot of inspiration was on my end for what kind of change I wanted to make. Kind of, sort of, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, it makes absolute sense. I mean, and that's kind of what college those years are. It's Mm. like you're, you, you, I don't know why they thought it was a smart idea to ask a bunch of 18 year olds, hey, what do you want to do until you die? And then you have to make that decision. It and took then, me two years to make that decision within go- my undergrad experience. Like, right? Like, it. So, I, some people know what they want to do. Good for them. Great but... for you. However, <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to change what you want to do. Like, and it does happen. Like, I I did like a soft change, so nothing like crazy abrupt. Like, I didn't like go to like med school and then be like, I'm gonna be a stripper now. Like, I didn't make that you know, distinctive a change. Um, I'm within the same field that I started out in, um, but in a bit of a different context. Um, Like I went to school, I have an undergrad uh, bachelor's degree in music education. So when I first started college and for like three, four years of college, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get a teaching job and I'm going to work at a school and then I'm going to die and work there until I die. Like that, that was my mantra for a good three years. And then my mental health went to, went to shit. I was going to say went to crap, but no, let's, let's really, let's lay it out there. Went to shit. And, um, I started to see the ugly side of my program and the competitiveness. And there were just things that I was like, this, this just isn't me. Like, this isn't what I want to put into the world. You know, if I'm going to be a teacher, I want to make my kids feel good about what they're doing. My students, like I want them to, to feel confident. And I want to use music as a tool to punish kids because they're not paying attention. Like I, music has been a refuge for me, um, especially for my mental health. So, and if we haven't gotten that point across, I mean, just listen back to the music episode. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, Music is is a huge, huge proponent of my life. And I don't see myself doing anything else because I'm not really good at anything else. But don't say that. Okay, fine. I make a mean carbonara. I don't know. I've never made carbonara before. (laughs) I don't know. You're great at baking. Thank you. I know I am. I make amazing homemade donuts. Now I want donuts. Anyway, back to the point. There was a point in my undergrad where I took this class uh, called Music for Special Learners. I'm sure I've mentioned it on one of our episodes before. And um, I learned about how to make music in the classroom accessible to all kinds of students with disabilities, blindness, deafness, uh, cerebral palsy, um, autism. And I just became so intrigued with how music was used as a therapeutic tool not just for the general masses of kids, but for the kids who really need it and the kids that usually get tossed aside. You know, as a music educator, unfortunately, we don't take tons of special education classes. Like I got, I think I took one or two and um, that were just general education. And then when I was in an actual teaching situation where I had students with disabilities, I didn't know what the hell to do. And that bothered me that so many of us out in the field, like don't, know how to handle those kids 
And if you're in a school district that, you know, isn't full, super staffed with the, with the right people, you know, it was, it, I just, I just didn't, I just didn't like that. That left a bad taste in my mouth. So putting all that together, I just decided at the end of college, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take some time for myself to get my mental health back on track. I'm not going to stress myself out by getting a teaching job right out of school. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to take some time, take a few deep breaths and see where life takes me. I will absolutely accept any opportunity that comes my way. But um, ultimately, the goal was to go back to school for music therapy because I wanted to use music in a different way, in a different medium, um, still working with people, still working with kids, but like not just kids, like adults, adults like me, senior citizens, people in veteran hospitals, psych wards, all that stuff. I could talk for hours. Um, but a lot of people, when I tell them about it, they, they make it sound like it's this huge change. Like, oh my God, like, so you're like never going to teach again? And it's like, I maybe. I don't, I don't know. And I mean, right now I'm kind of lost in the sauce because I, I don't know what's going to happen at the end of my program. I still got two more years and an internship. So I don't know. I could be working in a hospital in five years. I could be in a classroom in five years. I don't know. But I know that I'm on the right path right now. I'm on the path that I need to be on. So I find comfort. That's my little crumb. That's mm. the comfort that I have. But it, Would you say that's sort of like a lesson you learned on your end of just accepting change just to yeah. keep going with the flow for this program? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, it's like when you go to a family gathering and they're like, oh, my God, what are you up to? Like, I just I see all the Facebooks and like, what are you up to? And you're like, how do I answer this? Because, you know, I get the same question. So what are you going to do with that degree? And I'm like, well, what the hell do you think? Like, you know, go work at a zoo? Like, what do you mean? What am I going to do with a degree? I'm going to use it. I'm going to get certified. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Uh, but, but you know, people want to- Shove it up your bum. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, burn it in a trash can and then spit on it and then do a little jig. Like, <laughs> no, of course. Like, I'm going to take it and I'm going to explore. Like, that's also what I love about it too. Like, music ed, like, you literally, you you know, you you go to a school- you teach there for 20 years, you retire your program to hand it off to somebody else. And then you retire and, and, you know, and you live off a nice pension and then you die. I wasn't interested in that. I had a shift where, sorry that this episode is becoming about like my career choices, but I had, I, I had a shift where I was like, you know, I, I, there's so much more life I want to live before I settle down my roots in a job where I'm going to be there for 20 years. Like, I don't want to do that yet. I want to explore all different kinds of things within the realm of music. So was it a bit of a scary change? At times, but a good one nonetheless. And I think a rewarding one for sure. Do you find change, like personally, do you find change positive or negative do you find it difficult to deal with sometimes of course yeah and I, and how do you deal with it 
Do you a big thing? Talk I, to someone? Do you punch a wall? Do you, you talk to? I mean, yeah, of course I talk to someone because I mean, for the most part, I guess most situations, that's all you can do. I mean, then there, I'm talking about uh, post college, how I created my own change out of change itself, trying to figure out my way career wise, but. Overall, it all goes back to something you said. It's just time. Yeah. Just letting that pass. Because eventually you get accustomed to it. That's exactly what it says. That change, little by little, becomes more normal. Yeah. And that thing that was freaking you out or giving you anxiety is very much less so an anxiety and more just, oh, one day you just realize, oh, I that I was not worried about that today. Right. And it's like it becomes less frantic and like right in your face, too. I I think of this visual. It was a meme that I that I screenshotted. I forget whether it was Instagram or Facebook or whatever, but it was um talking about like grief. And in life, it had it was an imagery of like how people think grief is over time versus like what it really is. And the image was a glass jar with like a big black circle in it. And the first example of how people think grief is, is the jar stayed the same size, but the ball inside the circle got smaller, but that's not how grief works. The second imagery was the jar changed size and the ball didn't. So the ball stayed the same size as the jar grew bigger. So you are the jar. You, the lid, you are the jar. So the changes in our lives, whether positive, negative, um, abrupt, long time coming. The point is, is that time is on your side. You will adjust. No feeling is final. You will feel better about it. And the great thing about change and us as human beings is we keep changing whether we want to or not. You've just got to accept it. You just kind of have to accept it. And there are some things that you have control changing and some things you don't. And for the things that you don't have control over, it's okay. Find your crumb, find your thing to hold on to and, and you'll get there eventually for the things that you can change like a haircut or getting your nose pierced or getting tattoos or you know, uh, starting a podcast with a friend you play Dungeons and Dragons with, you know, those are all changes (laughs) that you can control. Um, Revel in that. There are parts of your life that you can control. Some you can, some you can't. That's okay. That's just life. I think that's a good place to wrap things up. I think so too. I want to wrap that up in a bow. So, hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Hello Sunshine. Yes. Um, I would just like to mention a few different resources that we always provide at the end of every episode, uh, including Psychology Today, which is a great website that I've personally used. If you are somebody looking for someone to talk to, whether it's a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and what's great about the website is you put in your insurance information where you live, and it comes up with a list of therapists that accept your insurance, which makes your life so much easier, especially if you don't know where to start. The next resource I have listed is the suicidepreventionlifeline.org website, uh, which is pretty self-explanatory. And then also, if you're not super comfortable with calling the suicide hotline, uh, there is such a thing as the crisis text line. Uh, You text the word REASON 
R-E-A-S-O-N to the number 741741. It's free, confidential, and 24-7. Thank you for listening to this episode. So without further ado, one last time, things may not always be easy. But don't forget to stay on the bright side. Changes. Changes. See you later. Bye, guys. Yeah, that's it.